It's lovely to see you all here this sunny morning. One of the remarkable things about this thing called Christianity is, uh, is, how, is how it's passed on. How it's passed on from person to person and sort of from generation to generation, like uh, almost like links in a chain. If you're here this morning and you have some kind of faith in Jesus, in the very fact that you yourself call yourself a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, is not only a miracle of God, but it's also the result of the faithfulness of literally the hundreds and thousands of Christians, of followers of Jesus, who've gone before you over the past 21 centuries. If you're here this morning and you call yourself a Christian, how, how is it, how, morning, how is it that you came to believe in Jesus? Just take a moment and have a think back. How is it that you came yourself to believe in Jesus? Most likely it's because someone somewhere simply shared their faith with you. I don't know, maybe it was your parents or uh, maybe it was your spouse. Maybe it was a faithful grandparent. Maybe it was a, a friend. And then when you think about that, how is it that that person came to faith in Jesus? Well, most likely it was because um, it was it was because either their parents or their spouse or their faithful grandparents or their friends simply shared their faith with them. And then so it goes on, on and on down through the generations. Every single person who's come to faith is sort of like one more um, chain in a link, a chain in a, a link in a chain that stretches across 2,000, 2000 years, goes over thousands of miles and it goes through millions and millions of uh, followers of Jesus who've all simply shared their faith and this, this, this chain, all of these links in this chain eventually go back to obviously the person of Jesus himself. Uh, Rick Warren, who leads a, a church in the States, recently asked this. He said, how did 12 peasant fishermen, tax collectors, farmers, how in the world did they multiply 12 followers of Jesus to one out of every three people on the planet who call themselves Christians? Now, I don't know if it's exactly one out of three people on the planet who would call themselves Christians, but some kind of ballpark. There's a lot of people who would call themselves Christians, and it started... Multi being multiplied by these 12 pretty random guys. And if you think back to it, when you try and work out what was that about, well, a key part of it was the fact that those guys just simply shared their faith. They, they simply shared the story, the things that had happened to them. They'd met with Jesus. They'd seen Jesus doing these things. And they shared and they talked about the things that they'd seen Jesus do. They simply shared their faith. And by doing so, they just kept adding links to this chain. And uh, for us as followers of Jesus here this morning, um, the question is, are we going to do what countless Christians have done before us? And are we just going to keep, are we going to keep adding links to this chain of Christianity? 
Um, what we're going to do uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to start. We're going to take a, a look at um, the book of Second Timothy, um, and we're going to start that this morning. And where we're going to where we're going to start is where I think the apostle Paul uh, begins. Um, we're going to start talking about building a spiritual legacy. So, if you've got a Bible, turn with me to two. Timothy. Now, 2 Timothy is really, really hard to find. It's in the New Testament. It's not hard to find if you've got an iPhone. But if you've got a Bible, you might need to just use your index. 2 Timothy, starting in chapter 1, if I can read this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering as I am. Yeah, this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me including hard word and hard word. Um, may the Lord show mercy to the household of even harder word uh, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Now, uh, 2 Timothy is one of a collection of, of three letters. There's 1 Timothy, and there's 2 Timothy, and there's Titus. And I think at least in, since, since the 1700s, they've been known as, they've been referred to as the the pastoral epistles or the pastoral uh, letters. And this, this name that they've been given, the pastoral letters, pastoral epistles, 
is because they were addressed to individuals who were commissioned to um, care for and pastor the churches that were being planted all over the place. And as you read through uh, 1 and 2 Timothy, you read through Titus, what you see is Paul, uh, this is, these are kind of almost like his last words, um, what you see is Paul exhorting Timothy, uh, exhorting Titus, encouraging Timothy, encouraging Titus to do the work of pastoring, to um, raise up other leaders, to teach a healthy doctrine, to, to combat doctrinal error wherever it kind of springs up and it springs up around here quite a bit, and, and to, most importantly, to extend the kingdom of God to other people. And what's happening in 2 Timothy is Paul is writing to Timothy and he's encouraging him and equipping him to do the work of pastoring. And in particular, what he's encouraging and exhorting him to do is to, to pass on to others the faith, the Christian faith that he, Timothy, himself had received from Paul. Now, when you read some of the commentaries about 2 Timothy, some of the commentaries say that one of the key messages, the main message of uh, 2 Timothy is, is an encouragement to, to Timothy to guard, to guard the gospel, to guard the good news of the gospel. And it's, and it's especially against this false teaching that was uh, springing up and creeping into the Ephesian church in the first century. And, and certainly that's true, guarding and protecting and uh, defending the gospel is an important part of, uh, of Second Timothy, but I think it's only uh, it's only one it's only one part. I think the overall point of Second Timothy, I think, is about extending the gospel. It's about seeing the good news not just guarded and protected. I think it's about seeing the good news and the gospel extended, seeing the kingdom of God extended. It's about passing on and sharing the gospel from one generation to the next. Remember, these are Paul's last words. So it's like he's saying, Timothy, take what I've taught you and pass it on to the next generation. Here he's handing it on to Timothy so that Timothy can pass it on. It's about building a spiritual heritage. And when we think about building a spiritual heritage, one of the questions I think for us today is, what kind of spiritual heritage are we wanting to build? As individual followers of Jesus, as, as a church, as a corporate family of believers, what kind of spiritual heritage are we wanted to, wanting to build? Are we in a position where we're merely playing a waiting game with our faith? You know, um, we're sort of, it feels like the culture is just, like the, the, the culture is, is like a flood of septic, uh, stagnant, stinky water that's kind of coming under the door of our lives. And we're doing all that we possibly can to barricade ourselves from it. And to, we're putting draft excluders and sandbags and running up to the top of the house and hiding away in the attic, lest the culture should overwhelm us and contaminate us. Are we playing a, merely playing a waiting game with our faith that we're desperately just trying to hold on to what we have, cling on to what we have? Are we just hanging by a thread, trying to protect ourselves, preserve ourselves, guard ourselves against those, heaven forbid, who might uh, challenge us in our faith? Or are we actually rolling up our sleeves? Are we getting stuck into the business of sharing the good news of the gospel? Are we getting stuck into the business of extending the kingdom of God? Well, Paul's primary focus, as we see here in 2 Timothy, is about building a, a spiritual heritage 
of extension, of expansion. He's wanting to leave behind a legacy that is about influence and has impact. Um, as far as we can tell, um, when Paul met Timothy on Paul's second ministry uh, journey, uh, second missionary journey, um, uh, Timothy was already a follower of Jesus. It's possible uh, that Timothy was converted during Paul's first missionary journey, or it's possible that his grandmother or his mother, you know, Lois and Eunice, um, they, they were converted by Paul, that they led Timothy to Jesus. Either way, Timothy becomes something of a spiritual son to Paul. Um, Timothy, Timothy becomes a young child, he becomes this uh, gifted evangelist and teacher, uh, and Paul frequently sends him out, you know, kind of sends him off to go to all these random different places. Uh, and Timothy has this brief to kind of help the new believers, to nurture the new believers in the faith. And so uh, Paul sends him off to Thessalonica, and, and he's got to disciple the believers there. And then Paul sends him off to Philippi, and, and he's got to do some work with the new believers there. And um, Timothy's also sort of a bit of a troubleshooter for Paul, because Paul's mostly in prison, you know, so he can't really go himself. Um, Timothy's a bit of a troubleshooter. When there's, tr- when there's trouble in the church in Corinth, you know, who is it that Paul sends to go and straighten things out but, you know, young Timothy? And again, in Ephesus, when there's trouble brewing in the church, it's Timothy who kind of gets sent off to go and uh, dispatch to go and sort things out. And the sort of things that were happening, I mean, the, the things that were happening in the church in Ephesus, just as a bit of a sidebar and background, what was happening in Ephesus is that there were all these kind of um, false teachers and false teachings that were springing up all over the place. And it, it seems to sort of have been a, a bit of a mixture of um, uh, uh, Jew- uh, uh, Jewish mythology, Greek uh, mythology, Greek philosophy, and uh, it's the, the thing that Paul calls the, the doctrine of Paul calls it the doctrine of demons. He wasn't very impressed by it, and this this false teaching had sprung up, and it was it was starting to impact the various house church, churches, the small house churches that Paul um, had planted there, and it was like spreading. It was like flu. It was like spreading from church to church to church, and all these churches were getting really confused about what was going on, and so um, they were getting all confused by all this false teaching. And so Timothy is dispatched and he's sent to straighten out these churches, in this case in, in Ephesus. Uh, and he's there to, he, he's dispatched to bring some correction and some order and, um, uh, to these young churches so that they know what they're doing. And in all of this, this dispatching of Timothy, he's sent here, there, and everywhere. Paul's ultimate goal, what he's really trying to achieve is to make, he's trying to make sure that not only is the gospel guarded and protected, but it's also extended. The gospel is extended, the kingdom is extended and passed on to the next generation. It's a, the, the thinking behind it is about multiplication. But in all of this going around, in, you know, this whole thing of, of Paul ch- planting these small churches that are, that, are, that are becoming established and then they're getting infected by unhelpful teaching and then someone's having to go in and bring correction and all this kind of stuff all this stuff that's going on none of it came without opposition as any of you will know you know you know what it's like just trying to live your life day to day as a as a follower of Jesus it doesn't come easy this stuff doesn't come easy so what's happening is that Paul's writing to Timothy and he's trying to encourage him to keep keep going He's saying to him, you know, keep on keeping on. You're doing amazingly. You're awesome. 
Keep going. Keep on extending the kingdom of God. Keep on sharing the faith. So Paul is writing to Timothy to encourage him in the face of some real challenge and some real difficulty to keep on keeping on extending the kingdom of God. And I think that that's something that the Lord is wanting to do with us as a church. Um, I think the Lord's wanting to encourage us to keep on keeping on. You know, we are seeing so much happening as a local church. We've, um, we've planted three churches. We've seen three churches planted in the last three years. And each one of those is seeing the kingdom of God extended incredibly. There are some wonderful, remarkable things happening in Croydon and in Balham and in Kennington as a result of those faithful guys going off and planting churches and seeing the kingdom of God extended. I think Palm, was it Palm Sunday? Uh, Balham was celebrating, I think, their second baptism or something. It's incredible. You know, it's, it's these things are small. Balham's, like, these Croydon and Balham, they're growing. But these are small beginnings, but they're incredibly important demonstrations of the kingdom of God being extended through the faithfulness of those individuals, through the generosity of this church. Um, so incredible. That's one, that's one thing. Uh, we're, seeing people beginning to, to, we're seeing people beginning their journey of faith with Jesus here at Southwest London Village. Uh, we're seeing it through things like Alpha. We're seeing it happening on Sunday mornings. Uh, and um, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to see. Wasn't it great to see last Sunday, Easter Sunday, baptizing some of those guys who recently have begun their journey of faith with Jesus, begun these first tenuous steps of learning to walk with him. We're seeing um, this local church having an impact in local communities, whether that's through things like Food Bank, whether that's through things like Job Club, or whether that's through some of you guys working in your schools, or whether it's just through people in this church loving their neighbours, loving and serving their neighbours. We're seeing the kingdom of God being extended to the next generation through the wonderful things that we're seeing up in Vineyard Kids and in, in the youth as a whole new generation uh, discover what it means to follow Jesus with themselves. And sometimes I think it's easy for us to lose sight of all the amazing things that the Lord is doing in us and through us here at Southwest London Vineyard as, as the kingdom is extended. And I believe that the Lord is wanting to encourage us as a church to keep on keeping on extending the kingdom, whether that's through healing the sick, which is why we're running HOTS training as a small group next term, whether that's uh, through prayer, which is why we're joining with churches right across the nation to pray in the week running up, leading up to Pentecost as we join in with the Archbishop of Canterbury's initiative, um, Thy Kingdom Come. Churches right across the nation are going to be praying in the week up until Pentecost. You can see that in your uh, small group brochure. Uh, or whether it's about sharing our faith, we're going to be learning more about sharing our faith through one of the evenings, the HOTS training. We're going to be doing a thing called the Miracle Question. Um, but whether it's through that or whether it's through um, Alpha, which we're going to be running. We, we have been running. We're going to be running again in the autumn in New Malden. But the truth of the matter is, as any of you who've been around here for longer than five seconds know, um, sometimes doing the stuff of the kingdom isn't as easy as it sounds. It sounds really simple, but doing the flipping stuff is hard. You know, some of us have tried to pray for the sick, and either nothing's happened or they've got worse. You know, so we've kind of gone, well, I'm not very good at that. So I think it's probably best if I don't pray for the sick, because they seem to die when I pray for them. You know, they don't really want to be dispatching people. 
So I should just keep away. I'll leave that for the anointed ones, the holy ones. You know, some of us have tried to share our faith. You know, we've um, invited people to Alpha, and it's been a disaster, an unmitigated disaster. You know, no one's come. Uh, They're not talking to us anymore because they think we're Jesus freaks. They buy us sandals for Christmas. Not there's anything wrong with sandals. And so as much as we'd love to keep on keeping on, it is, we can so easily get discouraged. We can so easily get disheartened. So how is it, oh my Lord, so how is it that Paul encourages the young Timothy to keep on keeping on so that he, Timothy, builds and lives a spiritual heritage? What has the Bible got to say to us that's going to help us to spur us on to keep going, to keep doing the stuff, even when it feels like it can be really challenging? Well, what does Paul do? Do you notice when we were reading that passage, do you notice how many times he used words like remember, recall, and remind? First thing Paul does is he reminds Timothy of past blessings. And what are, the, what are the past blessings that Paul refers to here in 2 Timothy? There are three things that Paul reminds Timothy of, and there are three things that will help him and help us to keep going. Um, even when uh, he feels like giving up, even when uh, we feel like giving up. And the first is this, friends, friends. Uh, 1 Timothy 3, Paul says, I thank God whom I served as my um, ancestors, forefathers uh, did with a clear conscience. I constantly remember you in my prayers. I constantly remember you in my prayers. And what Paul's doing here is writing to Timothy and he's reminding Timothy that he, Paul, is praying for him. That he, Paul, has got his back. That no matter how Timothy's feeling, no, no matter how challenging the situation that Timothy's in, Paul is constantly remembering him in his prayers. And do you know what? Nothing could be more important. Nothing could be more important than that. There is no act of love that's more significant, no gift of love that's more profoundly impacting that we pray for one another. Luke um, 18, Jesus tells us in Luke 18 that we should always pray, we should never give up. And that's what we, as a church, as a church family, are to be doing for one another. We are to constantly remember. We are um, to remember one another constantly um, in our prayers. And if you're here this morning, if you've been coming to this church week in, week out, if you're part of a small group, you know, if you've actually, if you've actually let us know who you are, right, which is, which, is, um, which is genuinely one of the reasons that we ask you to fill out a Connect card, okay, it's so that we can connect, the clues in the title, um, with you, right, that's why we do it. But if, you're, if you come here regularly on a Sunday, if you're part of a small group, if you filled out a connect card, someone here is praying for you, guaranteed. Someone here is praying for you. And that's one of the reasons that we come here on a Sunday. That's why one of the reasons being here on a Sunday is so important. That's why being part of a small group is so important. So that you can, we can be surrounded by friends here in this church who are praying for you, who are encouraging you, who are standing alongside you and cheering you on, even when you're going through the middle of a difficult time. Paul reminds Timothy of his friends um, who are holding him up in prayer. Second thing Paul says to Timothy is this. He says, remember 
your faith is basically what he said. Verse 5, I have been reminded, I, Paul, have been reminded of your sincere faith. And Paul's saying to Timothy, remember your faith. Sincere faith, incredible faith. Have you noticed sometimes how we get so spun around when we're facing tricky times or challenging times? We forget who we are. We forget which way is up. We get lost in the fog of, of just the chaos and the carnage of our day-to-day lives. More importantly, in those situations, how quickly do we forget everything that God has done in our lives? Woe is me. God has abandoned me. God is distant. He's far away. He's never loved me. I'm alone on a hilltop, exposed like a flag. <laughs> it's biblical. It's in Isaiah. Um, let's see. That caught you out. <laughs> you thought, I don't know what I'm talking about. Check it out. So you're exposed like a banner on a hill, and you'd have none of it. Anyway. <laughs> Just an aside. <laughs> what are we supposed to do in a situation like that? You know, anything's kind of um, going crazy. You know, what do we do when um, either we're going through something that's too much for us, or someone else we know and love is going through something that they think might be too, too much for them? Remind them of God's work in their life. Be like Paul. Remind them of their sincere faith. Remind them of all that God has done in their lives. When we're in a crisis, we constantly need reminders from friends around us that, do you know what? It's okay. They hold our hands and they pat our hands. They say, it's all right. You are still a Christian. It's like, Am I, I don't feel like it. No, 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 you are. It's okay. You are still a Christian. And, you know, you are still loved by God. Oh, my, I don't feel like it. No, 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 you are. He still loves you. Trust me. Okay, you know, yes, you are still a new creation. Um, I don't feel like it. I I know it doesn't feel like it right now. But you are still a new, and by this point you want to slap them, but don't, just pat them on the hand. (laughs) You know, but you know, you're saying, you're saying, it's okay, you can do this. You, You know, there is hope in the face of adversity. You can get through this. And we all need that, don't we? We all need that reassurance from time to time. Because we just get so lost in the carnage of life. We just need being reminded of our sincere faith. When we're feeling like kicking back and settling. When we feel like, oh, I, just, I, don't, I can't do this anymore. I can't pray for any more sick people. I can't, I can't share my faith anymore. Paul says, um, he says, remember that your friends are around you, encouraging you and cheering you on and praying for you. And remember your faith. And then the third thing he does is he reminds, Paul does, he reminds Timothy of his spiritual heritage. He reminds him of family. Um, He says this, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did, as my forefathers did. He brings this reference into ancestors, forefathers, those predecessors, those who've gone before. And what Paul's doing here is he's reminding Timothy of his own spiritual heritage. He he refers to um, Eunice and, and Lois. You know, he says, you, your, your mother and your grandmother. He's talking about spiritual heritage. And sometimes it's no bad thing for us to remember our own spiritual heritage. Where it is that we've come from. And who our spiritual ancestors, who our spiritual forebears are. Because every single one of us here who knows and loves Jesus, if we're a follower of Jesus, we stand in a long line of followers of Jesus who've gone before us. 
for 2,000 years, one generation after another, has literally handed the faith on down across the centuries. And, and we stand in the direct line. We, we stand as, as beneficiaries of all that they stood for, and in some cases, all that they fought for and died for. We stand in that lineage. And more specifically, here at Southwest Island Vineyard, we stand on an incredible inheritance of generations who've gone before us. And we stand here in this church, we stand on the shoulders of giants who have gone uh, before us. We stand here um, on the shoulders of people of remarkable faith, people like John Wimber. John Wimber, um, who founded the Vineyard Movement and was, was, played an instrumental part in the planting of this church. You know, um, John Wimber was one of the first um, trustees of this church. I don't think he ever showed up to a meeting. Uh, but he was, he, was, uh, he was a trustee of this church. And um, he played, he visited often. Uh, he celebrated our birthdays in the early days often. He commissioned uh, leaders. He commissioned John Wright. Um, he was around a lot, a lot. He had a key, loved this church. He had a key part in playing in, in seeing this church established. We stand on the shoulders of remarkable and godly leaders like John and Eleanor Mumford. John and Eleanor Mumford, who um, planted and led not only this church, but also all of the vineyard churches in the whole of the UK and Ireland. We stand on the shoulders of outstandingly gifted leaders like John and Debbie Wright, who they were associate leaders on the staff team here at Southwest London Vineyard for many years before we kicked them out and sent them off to Nottingham where they planted the Trent Vineyard, and they now lead uh, vineyard churches in the UK and Ireland. John and Ellie handing on the baton. John and Ellie handed the baton, foolishly, I don't know. It was whatever, you know. Handed the baton on to Kate and myself. They've handed the baton of the movement to John and Debbie. John and Ellie have moved into another role. They're now responsible for coordinating all the vineyard churches in, globally. There are countless others besides who have either literally or metaphorically sat in your seats. And they now uh, lead churches across the country, churches across the world, many other things beside. They faithfully kept on doing the stuff um, in season and out. What I'm saying is if you're part of this church, uh, you have a great spiritual heritage. And the Lord would have us continue uh, to build on and further establish that heritage. So, Paul reminds Timothy of his past blessings, friends, um, faith, and family. And then what he does is he reminds him of the present realities. Have a look at um, uh, 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. We are no longer slaves to fear, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And the gift of God that Paul's referring to is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul is simply saying the Holy Spirit doesn't produce in us cowardice or fear. The Holy Spirit doesn't produce in us a, a desire to kick back and to settle and to be passive and to sit around doing nothing. 
whenever we see ourselves at risk of settling or giving up or laying low when it comes to things of the kingdom, when we see ourselves getting, getting that way, that's the exact opposite of the very thing that the Spirit of God is wanting to produce in us. The Holy Spirit is trying to produce in us boldness and confidence and power to bear witness as we see the kingdom of God advance. The Holy Spirit is trying to revive in us. What I think he's doing with us as a church. I think the Holy Spirit is trying to revive in us something of the pioneering spirit of the vineyard that says everyone gets to play. When the vineyard came on the scene, I know it was like not unheard of. What? It's, you know, the guy up front in the shiny suit or the dress. Spirit of God is wanting to revive in us. The, the pioneering spirit of the vineyard, everyone gets to play. The, the Holy Spirit is trying to revive in us, wanting to revive in us as a church. That risk-taking sense of adventure that says that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. This is in our DNA. This is, what we, this, is, this is what we were born into. This is our inheritance. This is our legacy. This is our birthright. The Holy Spirit's wanting to, 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 to revive in us that Wimber mindset that says, you know, um, I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? Because when the Holy Spirit lays hold of us, he, he sets about the business of making us bold as lions. That's what he's in the business of doing. He, he, he doesn't matter what your temperament is. He doesn't care whether you're naturally timid or not. That doesn't matter. In the things of the kingdom, the Spirit of God wants to make us confident and bold. What was it that turned 12 peasant fishermen, tax collectors, farmers into um, powerhouses? It was the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit. Do you see the difference the Holy Spirit makes in the lives of people in the New Testament? Uh, the, the Apostle Peter, on the night that Jesus was tried, he was ashamed of Christ. He was like, he was ashamed of associating with Christ. He denied knowing Jesus three times to, some, to a servant girl. And then after the day of Pentecost, after he'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter becomes like a flipping lion. The Holy Spirit transforms us. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us the boldest that we need to share our faith, to heal the sick, and to get on with doing the stuff of the kingdom. And that boldness is something that the Spirit of God gives, gives as a gift. That's certainly true. But do you see what it says here in verse 6? It's something that we have to fan into flame. Paul writes to Timothy, says, fan into flame the gift that's been given to you by God. The gift is given by God, but we are fan it into flame. In other words, we've got something to do with whether or not the Holy Spirit produces power in us or not. We can't. We can't just simply sit back passively saying, well, you know, well, God knows where I am. I, I, he knows I'm here. I'm sat in Starbucks. I'm drinking a Frappuccino um, and reading the paper. It's like, he knows I'm here. If he wants me to do something, just, you know, just drop it in. I'll do it. Or, you know, he knows I'm at home, sat in front of my 52-inch plasma sort of TV watching, I don't know, whatever. Um, if he wants me to do something, he can, you know, he's, he's God. He can, he, he, can, he can make it happen. Um, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not stopping him. Well, you, according to Paul, Paul says, Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God. And he's saying that to make sure that the, the flame, the fire of the Holy Spirit burns bright in his life. It literally is. It's, um, it's, a, it's, 
It's billows. It's, it's Bear grills lighting fire, you know, fire, and, and you know how they all stand around and go, like that, and eventually go, like that, and they go, right, fire. Oh, gosh. You're not watching the island? No, don't watch the island. It's terrible. It's so rude. Um, anyway. Fan into flame the gift of God to make sure that the gift that God has given us is burning bright in our lives, and that's on us. God's part is to give us the gift, our part is to fan into flame. And that's what we need to be doing. So let's get praying as a church. Let's get praying. Lord, set me on fire. Set me on fire. Lord, today with my family, set me on fire. Lord, at work, um, with my utterly pagan friends, my non-Christian colleagues, or my parents, or my sister, or my brother, set me on fire. (laughs) Fan it into flame. No matter how dull we feel, no matter how much our spirituality feels like burning, you know, dimly burning embers, let's cry out for the breath of the living God to fall on us and to breathe life into those embers. And let us fan those embers into flame. How do we fan? How, how do we go about fanning? Well, certainly a key part of it is through prayer. It's both intercession, it's through crying out to the Lord, Lord, revive us, revive me. Fan, fan, fan. Fan my, the, the dying embers of the fire in my heart back into life. Another key part of it is through prayer, is through the laying on of hands. It's through the laying on of hands, which we'll do in a minute. We, we, we minister to one another. And by laying hands on one another, we are fanning the embers and the fire in one another's hearts. That's why being here, another way that we fan the flame is by being here on a Sunday, by gathering together as the church. Just this very act, this very process, it may not feel like it, but trust me, sitting, listening to the word being preached, no matter how badly, the fire in your heart is being fanned into flame. Just by being here. Just by showing up. And it may not just be for you. You may not just be here for yourself to get the fire in your spirit fanned into flame. You're here to fan the flame of other people. You see, so you being here fans the fire in my heart. Do you see? So that the fire burns brighter as a result of the fact that I've gathered together with you. That's why, um, that's why we do small groups. It's the same with small groups. You go to a small group and you get the, the fire in your heart fanned into flame. It burns brighter because you've been to a small group and you, you share that around and everyone's fires are burning brighter. And, and those of you who haven't been to a small group for a while, how's that going, by the way? It's not doing your embers any good. You're not not fanning other people's embers. You're not helping anybody either by not being there. Get into a small group. I need to finish. What am I saying? Oh, my Lord. What am I saying? I think it's time to get back to work. Um, I think Jeb Bartlett put it, said, um, (laughs) break. Breaks over. <laughs> um, 
It's time to get back to the business of the kingdom. Uh, it's time for us to fan into flame the gift of God. And remember that you're amongst friends who you are praying for and who are praying for you. Remember your faith. Remember the sincere faith. Remember all the stuff that God has done in you and through you and that God has brought you safe thus far. Remember your family. Remember your spiritual heritage. Remember um, where we've come from and who's gone before us and on whose shoulders we stand so that we've got a phenomenal view. And let's get out there and do the stuff of the kingdom. I said earlier, um, if you're part of this church, you have a great spiritual heritage. And I, the, I believe the Lord would have us continue on that, um, uh, to continue to build on and further establish that heritage. Uh, just very quickly, I am finishing, I promise. Um, just look on to 2 Timothy 2.2. Uh, 2 2, 2. And just look at how it is that Paul encourages Timothy to continue the, the legacy, to continue to build on the lineage. He says this, and the things you've heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. You see what he's saying there? You see that? He says, first it starts with me, Paul, okay? The things you've heard me say, and then it goes on to you, Timothy, and then Timothy passes it on to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And that's how the baton gets passed on. That's how this thing spreads. That's how the links in the chain get put into place. That's, that's how the kingdom of God is extended. This is like four generations, I don't know. Me to you to reliable people to others. Think of it like a, a relay race where each of us is, is passing on the baton, you know, from... Uh, one geographical space to another, from one generation to another. You know, the question for us this morning is, what baton are we passing and to whom? What baton are we passing and to whom? How intentionally have we, every single one of us, thought about the baton that we have in our hand and who we're passing it on to? Let's get back to the business of healing the sick. Let's ask for the faith to raise the dead. Let's do what needs to be done to cleanse the lepers of our day. Let's drive out the demons from those who are being tormented. Because every single one of us in this room, we have received so much, so freely. It is on us to freely give that all away. Why don't you stand and we'll pray for one another.